welcome back to Addicted to Loot, a Green Man Gaming and Humble Bundled partnered PC gaming podcast where we talk about everything from breaking news, what's happening in the community, and games we're playing, previewing, reviewing, and just, well, enjoying, hopefully. And then we always conclude with our free game of the week. But hosting, as always, is yours truly, Brian, a.k.a. Atomic, and joining me, as always, is my fellow loot addict, Tom, a.k.a. Tomality, over there. Hello, I'm over here. So, we, as you all know, well, we weren't here last week because, but for really, really great and awesome, fantastic reasons. Some of us were having adventures, and by some of us, I mean the only other person on this podcast, so. Yeah. Tom, what were you doing with your week? Somehow, I ended up in Dallas, Texas for the weekend for LeakyCon's Harry Potter convention. Um, and it was really funny because at the same time, apparently were uh, two other conventions. Um, I know there was a firefighters convention because we had to keep walking through firefighters. And there there was just this hilarious <laughs> moment where it's like you got all these guys and, you know, their their belts and their, their shirts, and their, you know, fire gear. And then all of a sudden, some of them are wearing witches hats. And then all of a sudden, Harry Potter. There was just this, the Venn diagram was very small, but there must have been some Harry Potter firefighters that were having Fire time Harry in their lives. <laughs> Um, one day that they could be themselves. It's just like, oh my god, I wanted to attend both of these, and they're both here. Um, but <laughs> it, yeah, LeakyCon was fun. It also happened to coincide, believe it or not, with QuakeCon, which was also happening in Dallas. That was um, one hell of a like a week or yeah. a weekend to be in Texas. And it was so funny because Nika and I were going around, and you would just see like a patch of of like uh, I, I don't mean to profile, but like fifteen year old guys, and you're like. Quake players, <laughs> you just you would see them. <laughs> and I was like, those guys are going to QuakeCon. You just, you just, knew. you can see the subsections of Quake, Harry and, Potter, yeah. Firefighter, and hilariously, like um, when I was in the Manchester airport, this is my first ever flight too. Uh, first ever time on an airplane was this weekend, and I did two connecting flights, so I went from zero to four flights, um, <laughs> just like that. But uh, when I was in the Manchester airport waiting for the outgoing flight. There were like four other people. This was like a 6 a.m. flight. And this kid walks in and he looks around, just looks at all of the available seats. There's a good amount of seats. And he just sits right next to me and says, do you like video games? <laughs> what? I was just like, wow, you have come to the right place. And he pulls out his phone. And he's like, I have a like free version of Quake. He didn't even know about QuakeCon. Unrelated. It just like kept following me all weekend. <laughs> How? What? He has, how do he has you, a phone. How do you make VR these connections? And it just was like, okay, uh, hello, new best friend. You um, have some weird superpower to just randomly like compel oh, people to connect with you. And you like, should have been around level. this weekend. Like the there, there was a point where um, Nick and I were having breakfast, and you know she was doing a talk on wands. That was part of what she was doing during this event. An actual panel. Interesting. Talk. And so That's she awesome. had had her wands laid out she has like a, a dozen uh different wands and the guy who is our waiter he just comes over he's just like holy shit that's so cool what are those and we ended up <laughs> i'm not even joking you but after about 40 minutes by that point he was sitting at our table with us talking about his favorite animes like <laughs> this was just happening everywhere this weekend we were just creating wow. these like conversation spaces like elevators anything just was hello we're all best friends now you should um, do a ted talk and just how to accidentally make best friends how to accidentally best friend but uh yeah we ha we had a ton of fun um 
it's it's an interesting event really for me the highlight was like the marketplace where you had all these vendors that were selling all sorts of cool vaguely harry potter themed stuff um we didn't really go to a lot of the talks uh mostly just spent time hanging out we had kind of a friend friend cluster that we kept cycling around with but i guess the count was that there were seventeen thousand people there for the weekend Damn. And, that's uh, one heck of a i'm not is there a technical term for harry potter fans um potterheads <laughs> like that yeah like i yeah. don't know yeah it'd be weird to say hairy heads because you'd be like well they hairy heads yeah hair. naturally <laughs> yeah, exactly um, isn't everybody uh but there were certain there were certainly things that we didn't see they had celebrities from the films that were there um, plenty of people dressed up. That was neat. Uh, we actually went to a. She says, "Do you want to go to a show?" I was like, "Yeah, hell yeah! I, I love I love music." And we found there's a there was a couple of bands that were playing there, but also played at a club in town. And basically, their genre of music is wizard rock. So you had these groups <laughs> that were playing thing. like pop punk or like um, I don't know what to describe it like '90s alternative sounding groups. There was one that sounded kind of like a Jimmy Eat World sort of sound, but the lyrics mm. are like Harry Potter. Hey, Harry Potter. I was just like, okay, I kind of hate this, but I kind of love this. <laughs> That's just being like, in a club, thought? seeing rock bands. I'm like, yes, yes, I'm on board. I love Severus Snape. Okay, um, fine. <laughs> <laughs> fine. It was just actually, fine. it was stupid and fun. Um, <laughs> so it was, it was cool. But yeah, we had a fun weekend. Um, and I guess it's going to be in Dallas again next year, as well as in Boston. So, oh really? Brian Interesting. <laughs> Might be staying well with then. Um, but Do yeah, it. I literally have a second bedroom, and <laughs> I'm far closer to Boston now than I was before. Yeah, far closer than me, and it's still a drive. Um, That's gonna say, yeah. yeah. No, it was it was a ton of fun. We had a good weekend. That's awesome. You could uh, you could try you could say that your life hit a new height. <laughs> I was trying to come up with a really quick getting first flight pun joke oh, thing. Oh, uh, that's a good joke there. Shut up. <laughs> I was trying to, th- first I was like, something with wings. No, that sucks. How about, that's, no, uh, that also sucks. I was trying to uh, do a, yeah. So, time to horrific. Fly... <laughs> we're going to fly Damn past you. that one. I hate you so much, but I also love you. You really didn't so... stick the landing gear. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, Tom. Ah, I, should, I, should never, I should never mess with the pun master. The I, pun always loved, sensei. I always loved, I always loved, there was like, oh, God, this was way back in the day when I was playing Eternal Lands. Someone had as a, a signature on their message boards. This is like deep cut uh, Tom Jordan <laughs> gaming history. Someone had a signature that said, never argue with an idiot. They'll drag you down to their level and beat you by experience. <laughs> and I've been trying to live that my whole what are life. You trying to, what are you trying to say here, Tom? I'm the idiot and I'm better at it than you. <laughs> I'm a better well, idiot than any of y'all. You're a better punter raider. Yeah. Punter, punter. Sure, we'll go with uh, that. Whatever it but is. Either I'm way, we, we, other but other ways, segways, they're things. So segueing into what we usually do every week is we do a trivia question uh, that basically warms up the brain, basically to allow us and allow you to get ready to accept all the stuff we're about to spew <laughs> at you. So with that, what we're going to do is Tom will read a question, uh, him and I will try to answer said question. And you could either pause and try to answer the question yourself, or you could just uh, listen along with us, and maybe we help you get the answer. Who knows what? But with that, Tom, what is the question? 
It's a question. Uh, this is a rel. I was gonna say relatively recent, but Jesus, ten years ago. Which game first released in two thousand eight and highly praised for its emphasis on user generated content had the tagline "Play, Create, Share"? Minecraft. I think Minecraft was ten or maybe nine. Well, no, because two 2000- thousand. Was it? Was Minecraft? No, 2008? no. Two thousand eight was when we graduated high school. It yeah. couldn't have been. Minecraft was when I was in college, so that would have been yeah. That wouldn't after two thousand eight. Was it Play? a Lego game? Could it be a Lego game? I mean, I was thinking like I was like Eve, but Eve would have been far oh. before that. Wouldn't have made sense for Eve. Play create uh, share feels like a PlayStation thing. Play create. It's not like Little Big Planet. I wonder or if it is. I'm actually thinking that 2008, right? That was yeah, because that, that would have been PS3 era. Yeah. Um, but could you share stuff on Little on the first Little Big Planet or Little um, Big whatever it was? Probably, like you made content and put it up for download. Maybe, yeah, or I mean, maybe could. like have your friends play with you or something. I mean, yeah. I mean, if it is, thank you, Alec, because that's about. I remember doing countless Little Big Planet stuff with him, but. Maybe that barely makes functional sense? tanks. <laughs> oh my god, the tanks! I still remember when we made the Death Cheerio game, which was Death hilarious. Cheerio. Yes. Did you ever play that? Yep. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I love the Death Cheerio. That god, was so that much was fun. With, uh, he brought it by Alicia's back then, and that was just yeah. Because like... you either smacked the floor within an inch of you, or you smacked the other end of the map. Yeah. Like there was no middle ground. Like <laughs> yeah. Oh it, yeah, I think yeah, it's so, Little Big Planet. Yeah, sure. We'll go with Little Big Planet. And the answer is exactly that, Little Big Planet. Woo! Hey, we're doing that. We did a thing. Are they still making those? Uh, they had a cart game. I don't remember when's the last time they made a Little Big Planet. Did they make three or two? I remember two in a cart game. I'm not sure if there's a third. Interesting. Very, very interesting. But yeah. Who knows, but... With that, we are now fresh and ready to get into the news. So, very first one up is kind of a very topical thing. Doom Eternal, which is the sequel to the 2016? Yeah, 2016 Doom rebate of Doom! So, we have a few big things going on here where, you know, we kind of had, you know, from said QuakeCon, there's been a few more... A few more details released about Doom Eternal. Specifically, we got uh, the release date is tentatively listed as December 28th, but I think if this was correct, Bethesda E3 simply says TBA. So it's either December 28th or no one knows. So according to an Amazon page, December December 28th. Basically, yeah, at this point. It could be like another Duke Nukem uh, Forever or whatever that was. Uh, Well, with a name like Doom Eternal, that's like asking for it. Exactly. Uh, you know, they're going to have, if they ever, if they delay or push back the release date, the, you know, Twitter is going to light up like brighter than a Christmas tree. So it's going to yeah. be kind of interesting. So, uh, monsters that we will have, they said that there will be double, but they say there's twice as many demons, but they don't actually say whether it's twice as many types or twice as many quantities. It would not surprise me if either of those were true. Uh, I I would hope it was the former. If it was the latter, it just kind of becomes more of a bullet hell. So yeah. I don't know. Um, it'd be kind of interesting to see. I mean, I I played the 
the original remake of Doom, the 2016 one, I still need to finish it, but I loved every little bit of it. It was actually, it was my, I think it was my game of the year for 2016. It was. Yeah, yeah so it was, because it was between that and Titanfall 2. But I really enjoyed the game, so if they kept it, you know, just the same but more, I would be very happy with that. They really haven't very tight-lipped about guns, potentially. Uh, it seems like, once again, there will be the original... Co- the original grouping of guns plus some fun stuff um, with ex- you know explosive ammo, grappling, uh, different types of like metal hooks for grappling and things like that. But it seems like it's kind of a mixed bag, but there really isn't too much about the guns. Uh, this is a big one, which is probably one of the biggest details we get out of this past weekend, is that Doom Eternal will be set on Earth this time and not originally or not on Mars like 2016 mm-hmm. but the interesting part is Earth is once again has basically been turned into hell because there's been like some kind of hellscape or portal so pretty much up. it's exactly the same as always basically but this time there's skyscrapers instead of space stations so that's basically the difference is that it's you know there's you know you might have pavement instead of red dirt so haha but I feel like that's kind of an interesting take um, I like the fact they're going back to Earth, I'm not really sure how the connection's going to form, but it should be pretty cool either way. And I know, did, did you ever get the 2016 Doom, or do you have any interest in it? Yes, I own it. Um, I only you do own it, okay. into it and got distracted by something else. Um, it's yeah. been, I quite enjoyed. Uh, what I had done is I had played the demo of it and had a lot of technical issues, um, but I did buy the game, and it, it was like I had, it was sort of the same thing with Dishonored 2. I had moved on by the time I was able to play it. Exactly. And, you know, and it's just been snowballing since. So it's a game I certainly want to play. I liked it. Yeah, me too. And I've been actually, because of this, I've been wanting to like concretely close off the first game because I do mm. like it. And I like the fact that, you know, it gave you that kind of quakey, arcadey action feel of everything was super quick and fast, but in the way that it was supposed to be. Not yes. in like, not like, oh my God, this game is unbalanced. Very so chunky. Big chunky Extre- stuff. Extremely, and we'll close it off with the the tagline from the Doom site: "Doom Eternal will deliver the ultimate combination of speed and power, along nice. with the next leap and push forward, along with the next leap and push forward first person combat." So there you go. Should be interesting. Completely changing gears into a game that I actually uh, didn't know about this game until I saw someone cover it on YouTube, but it completely piqued my interest and i think this is a game that tom would be right up your alley yes a game called phantom doctrine now it's another x comma like which there's been quite a bit now um oh my god i was trying to think of the next direct competitor to x that's coming out this year and i'm blanking on the name phoenix point yeah that one phoenix point yeah, which also looks incredible. Uh, I saw a couple teasers on that. I'm excited for both of those. But Phantom Doctrine specifically is an XCOM like that focuses on basically espionage. So it's basically taking place. Uh, you are either going to be the CIA or the KGB, you know, based on events that were happening around the 1980s. Now, the interesting part about this, which I think is the biggest difference of what sets Phantom Doctrine apart from XCOM, is that Phantom Doctrine is a turn-based tactics game, but 100%, or at least I would say 99%, it wants you to focus on stealth strategy and tactics. Like, this is not a game where you want to get into a shootout. If you get into a shootout, you basically failed the mission. You're... 
like as soon as an alarm goes off, as soon as someone gets alerted, the game goes downhill. It's it's a game you know where you know every place everywhere you go, you know you're in a you might be a CIA agent undercover, but you're in a Russian era base. Of course, they're going to have tons of reinforcements and guys with like high powered machine guns, and you have a pistol. So it's not meant it's meant to be punishing if you get to that level, and. It's really cool because, you know, there's spots where, you know, that are open to the public. There's spots that are trespassing. You have to make sure of, you know, how do you knock people out? When do you knock people out? When do you open door? When don't you open a door? Sight lines. It's a very, very detail-rich, like, turn-based stealth game. And the one cool thing about it, and I've been trying to read through the article to get what it is. The one thing is, uh, another big thing that sets it apart is that, in this game, if you get a shot or if someone takes a shot, you 100% of the time will hit. This is another reason why it's not yeah. a it's not a mil, it's not a combat or military game. Uh, the way that like it doesn't instantly kill you, um, it's kind of like in the sense of how we were talking about Drake's Uncharted a little while ago. How like the reasoning why Drake would eventually quote unquote lose health is actually that like he was running out of luck. It's kind of the same thing here. Like, you know, if you think about James Bond when he's, like, doing cartwheels and backflips and somersaults and, like, running through walls, you know, he's doing super, you know, agent-y, you know, type of moves that are allowing them to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Same thing here. Like, it's almost like you're running out of a currency of your character that once it finally goes out that they finally get a bullet through and you start really whittling away. Your so, awesome meter is run dry. Basically, yeah. So there's a little bit... You have, like a, you have a little bit of forgiveness, but I've heard consistently that this game does not pull any punches. It is difficult in the sense of, you know, it wants you to think and struggle. So it looks really, really fun. And I like the fact that it's taking a, you know, the new take on this turn-based type of strategy. Yeah, where, mm-hmm. this but. is interesting to me because XCOM is a game, especially XCOM Two, a game that I love. I absolutely love XCOM, um, but I love it as like a chess game. It's a turn-based uh, combat game. Um, I've never felt like XCOM is something to really stealth. It's more so you stealth in preparation, and exactly, then it you know it's going to break loose, and it's how you sort of deal with. Uh, XCOM is best at its moment-to-moment, like, here's my scenario, here's where I want to end up, here's where I'm likely going to end up, but here's where I have a 10% chance of maybe ending up. So, like, you're always kind of rolling the dice in every single thing you do. This reminds me more of Satellite Rain, which is the cyberpunk real-time um, sort of take on this that I was playing uh, a few months ago that I really I continue to keep That's installed right, on my computer because um, I want to keep playing it. But that's something where it's like you have sort of four different characters and yeah, here's your combat guy. Here's your stealth hacker guy. Here's your stealth sniper guy, you know, um, where this is something that is doing that with a squad. But it just it feels like it's it's tuning more into that. It's like I kind of want to avoid the combat, um, which is great. I love that. That's my jam. Cold War. Cool. Exactly. It's great. Mm. This is great. This is a great era. And you can play for either sides. Yeah. yeah. So you can choose to play for either side. So there will be basically two different campaigns doing five, maybe similar styles of missions, but with different backing, obviously. Yeah. And, but yeah, it's that thing where you're assembling a group of everyone has their certain skills, 
Like, there's, there might be the hacker, there might be the enforcer, there might be somebody that's really good at hiding bodies, but you have a chance of, you know, putting a team together. And there's also, like, you have a main character as well. So, like, you, your main agent you get to, like, customize and build and, like, yeah, you know, design that's... everything about them, what they wear, how they look. So, that's it's an interesting game. It looks like it's a, uh, I believe it's, it's currently out on Steam. I do not believe it is a early access right now. I think it might just be mm. a full release, which I'm going to confirm as of right this second. Yeah, it is a full release. So yeah. it is a 1.0 release. One of the things that the article talks about is that the writing itself isn't the strongest, but if the gameplay and combat system or lack thereof sound appealing to you it might still be worth you know checking out especially if you're you know you you're a big XCOM player and you're looking for something to scratch that itch well yeah the writing thing is sort of uh, fine by me because XCOM is a game that can do with no writing and kind of does um, it's more so you exactly. develop these characters you develop these people with personalities this is my sniper and he's been here for a long time so he feels like he's got a personality even though he's basically just a random generation of parts he's my guy i know him i have familiarity with him um and so i could see that happening with something like this you only really need a skeleton of a story to make something like this fun exactly so another game that recently came out which has been pretty well hyped kind of went a little quiet for a little while but we happy few is finally out it has you know it's 1.0 release and it's uh Oh, it's a doozy of a game. It is... Uh, it's it's kind of hard to say. And I think there's there's one qu- quote in this article that really sells the point home, is that this is one of those true, rare games that makes you feel uncomfortable. Huh. And I think that's one of the best ways of, this, of saying this. This game is dark, it's perverted, it's cheeky, it's all sorts of things. And it it wants you to be completely off balance the entire time you're playing it, and it does an extremely good job with it. Like I've been watching a guy stream it, and woof, there's some parts in there that are just like, oh my god, like whoa, like yeah, they went there. Yes, they went there. But so, and it, it is you know it, it is covered in this like almost like shag carpet plush like cutesy overtone, but. At the same time, you're staring at it like, that guy just killed himself, but, like, everyone's smiling and everything's pink and, you know, everything else. And you're just like, this is so, like, I don't know how to feel. Like, what? Like, yeah. I, and they, they they deliver it so well. Yeah, We and, Happy Few is something that I've never quite exactly known what the game itself is. Because the premise is to is always seemed to me like, um, the, I've said this multiple times, but it's like the movie Brazil, but in video game form, where it's a sort of, we are typical English society, just going about typical lives, and we take happy pills. And if you don't take happy pills, you realize that the world sucks. Um, and I guess the premise from what I gather is that you kind of get off this drug and are scraping by existence is it is it a roguelike or is there there's a story no, i know this is almost a survival rpg almost okay, okay that, it, i can um, find that away you're it, you're pretty close to it it is a dystopian society but this is also an alt history it's kind of like the germans won and because of they took over the world and they took over britain 
that they are forcing people to put on these masks and then take these happy pills mm. so that you know they're just you know they're happy little puppets. Yeah. Your your main your main character actually you know he re- reaches this point very early on on whether to take a pill or not, and you decide not to. You start to see things. You start to become aware of things. You start to remember certain things of your past. And all this starts to unfold as you're playing through this game, as you're trying to, A, get by, survive, and, like, also, in a weird day, like, potentially, like, fight the power, but also, you're mainly just trying to get your brother back, so that's kind of a big thing. Yeah. So, so this is a game that I have constantly, constantly, constantly wanted to play, but have never once seen a review that sold me on it. And I feel bad. I shouldn't let that super color me, but it really, every review I read says, ah, oh, it's not really super great and that's i don't know it seems like it should be i think and i've read a couple of things that said it really really well if this game was marked at 30 dollars, it probably would have a 10 out of 10 that's true i think it's like 60 right it's 60 it's a a full price game and people say it's rough around the edges there's some things that aren't fully polished off and even though it's they're saying the writing in this game is incredible, like by yeah. beyond brilliance. But the rest of the, the you know the game around that writing isn't what you would consider a sixty dollar game. It's so, rare to get a sixty dollar game these days. So for something like this to be priced at that is like wow. Yeah, and I think that's the main problem. If they would have cut their prices down, this game would have done so much better. And that's the main takeaway that I would say for people that are like, well, I don't know this kind of sounds interesting i would say it's a game that's probably very much worth playing and just worth experiencing because of how different it is and the Mm. type of story behind it like i definitely would want to get this game and play it if i don't watch it it's completely streamed but wait till it's on sale wait till it to be below 30 dollars or in that range and you'll probably be very satisfied with what you get but at 60 dollars it's a game that will probably be somewhat disappointing uh, or you'll or you'll be sitting there going, I paid sixty dollars for this, that that yeah. kind of thing. So, yeah. um, but the game is gorgeous. I love the setting. The controls are great. I mean, it's the storyline is great. The personalities are great. The voice acting are incredible. And like I said, it's just it's so goddamn quirky and just strange <laughs> and just like, but in like very delicious ways. Like it's oh, like as a person who really like deeply enjoys like dark humor and alternate takes and things like that this is like kind of right up my alley watch like, brazil <laughs> well exactly like yeah. i'm I, like i'm not always a fan of the super like the hero gets everything and all the other kind of fun stuff like this is a game that really speaks to me and i love the fact that you know kind of like wolfenstein and all of that they the developers took a story and you know crafted a story around a very dark world a not nice image and it's like Pardon the appropriate pun, but it's, it's a very hard pill to swallow. Yeah. And yep. 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 Uh, it. Yeah. We happy. We happy few. It's out. Go check it out and uh, see what you think. Mm-hmm. A big game in the industry that's very defining in terms of the PC world and a game that we've been known to love on this podcast as well as our guests. A World of Warcraft uh, Battle for Azeroth. The expansion is out and. From what I've heard and from what I've read, it's Murder Town USA, and apparently that's a good thing. So, you know, it's kind of getting World of Warcraft back down to its very murderous, tense, combative roots. 
and it is Horde versus Alliance. It is just yeah, straight it, up. It's like the Royal Rumble of Water Warcraft. You know, they had, uh, and Tom, you might be able to speak this better than me, but you had the but Sylvanas torching a tree that like a world tree or something like that, and then the Alliance. Uh, Lordaeron count like countered by attacking a horde location, and all of a sudden, basically, all hell is breaking loose, and it's just it's tense. It's it's just a world on fire, basically. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, I mean, what? Because I know you've been playing World of Warcraft. Obviously, you're not up to this point because I know you're still kind of grinding through the lower levels and things like that. But I know you had you have probably have more connections into the wild world right now. Like just what, sort of. Mm-hmm. Everything I'm seeing and hearing is positive. I think people really like it. It sounds like it's fun and funny in parts. Um, there was quite a bit of controversy over the uh, initiation of it, specifically the way I from and this is this is like fifth hand information I'm relaying. But the impression that I get is that um, <laughs> now I got mighty mighty boss tones going through my head. The impression <laughs> I get uh, is uh, that. The Horde and the Alliance saw different takes on how this all broke out or what happened and have, as such, received different information to sort of prejudice their views going into this, um, which I think is cool. I think that that's a really cool thing, but I guess it didn't quite – it might have frustrated people. Um, so there's sort of different different ways people have, have viewed that. But I think it's really neat. I like, even if this isn't exactly what happened, I like the idea if you have these warring factions and if it's in a video game form, you literally see different things based on sort of almost discrimination. Like, of course, you know, you're not going to get the full information and it's going to inspire you to react this way. And that's like miscommunication as a gameplay device. That's cool. That's interesting to me. Um but yeah, otherwise, I guess Battle for Azeroth is getting a lot of people back into World of Warcraft. It's got me into it for the first time, so I could speak to that. But it's certainly a game that seems to be alive and well, and especially right now. Yeah, so Battle for Azeroth comes with a few different things. You know, there's a, a nuke level cap at 120, which, strangely enough, as I was researching this, found out that there was a player that has already hit... The new level cap, like the record for hitting the new level cap as soon as this went live was four hours and 17 minutes. Jeez. And it was a WoW streamer who was, uh, who was this guy, da, 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 da. Genji, a member of World of Warcraft's Hardcore Guild Method, uh, took him four hours and 17 minutes to get to 120. And the best part about this, which I think is the most interesting part about it, is he did it purely through questing. No power leveling, no gimmicks. That's just, what I was going to ask. <laughs> like, he literally just grinded through quests as efficiently as possible so that, like, basically e- an everyman could have done it the same way. It's just that he did it, you know, obviously probably as soon as it went live, you, yeah. know, full, you know, full steam ahead, which must have been interesting because I can only imagine how many hundreds, if not thousands of other players would be trying to do the exact same thing on every other server. So, like, it had to be an interesting thing to watch as everyone was, like, running around doing the exact same quests. Right. And I right. remember, I still remember, like, the ye olden days of Vanilla WoW when there, there were cer- certain quests known for being horrific because of the drop rates would be, like, 10%. And it would be, like, you and 30 people in one zone trying to fight for the same 
stupid little like lion that drops this damn thing and like and and it was funny because it was almost like you're this weird little community of like anger and annoyance because you're just like uh you're all standing there and all of a sudden like there's one and then you hated all the ranged people because they would get them like instantly and as a i had this exact experience with guild wars too Uh, I forget on WoW. Are you, what are you playing? Like, what, what's your character on WoW? I'm trying everything right now. Oh, so you're just bouncing around between characters? Yep. Okay, yep. trying to figure out which ones. Because, I like. like, I guess I remember because my main was a warrior, and the best initiation I could get was there was like a little sprint thing. But even when I hit, got in range of the sprint button, if they still hit them by the time my sprint reached them, they still got the aggro, and I was like, "You son of a murder!" And <laughs> like, so. But either way, so some things that come with the expansion, like there's a new level cap, there is a new twenty-player cooperative PVE. There are new siege. races. Oh yeah, that's right. There are new races, but why mm. doesn't this uh, this article does not cover them? Why doesn't this article not cover them? Uh, yep, uh, there are definitely new races. There's a whole heap of stuff. Um, yeah, this this only is a snippet of it, but there's a new 20-player cooperative siege mode. There are new squads, new PvE and PV, um, PvE flavors, new playable factions, which is probably what you're talking about. Yes, a load of yep. new trolls and elves and dwarves who look a little different than anybody else. Yep. Uh, and it basically just states that this uh, expansion could be yours for the price of $40... Oh my god, I was going to say European, but pounds. Ah, no, euros. My god. Okay, so 40 pounds, euros, $50 American. Uh, depending on what you ever, whatever you want. So, it's like, and every time we cover one of these things, I keep on getting the itch of going back and playing old vanilla WoW, like just getting back into WoW. Cause, I don't know, like, I always figure, like, the old school MMOs always scratch the specific itch, and I know we've talked about this numerous times, mm-hmm. but WoW is, like, the one remaining old school MMO that can still give kind of that, you know, super high fantasy grindy feel, which is, it's weird because, you know, we we like, commemorate, like, uh, the Old Republic and things like that for finding ways to get around that and... We were like, this is amazing, but then for some odd reason, there's still a small part of me that kind of misses it, which is weird. I, I gotta say, um, I don't know if you know, the, the meme that's going around right now, or one of the memes going around right now, um, is, uh, oh, what's her name? The girl from Brave and uh, uh, Aurora from Sleeping Beauty, and there's like, it's a screenshot of the moment where she was just kind of like going on and on and on, and Aurora's like falling asleep um, uh, from the Wreck-It Ralph 2 trailer yep. stuff. And uh, so people are just having, like, you know, image macro stuff of her saying stuff. And there's one that I saw today, and it's literally a paragraph of text over the the brave girl saying, like, the Star Wars The Old Republic Imperial Agent storyline was not only the best Star Wars lie, but the best Bioware lie that's ever happened. Some of the most complex companions and incredible dialogue. We've never seen anything like this. And Kaleo Janis is one of the best characters ever. And just over Aurora, it says my friends and followers, and it's her just falling asleep. <laughs> I was just like, I have never been more personally attacked than this meme. This is me in meme form. <laughs> just as her going on and on about the Imperial Agent storyline in Star Wars Hill Republic. Like, this is excellent narrative writing and you're all sleeping on this. It was great. I love it. <laughs> That's me. But it's true. It's 100% true. But yeah, yeah, so World of Warcraft, new expansion, new level cap. Go try it out. Be interested and see what everyone thinks about it. Yeah. Moving right along to another Blizzard game, which is another game that we ha, know and love here. 
Aha. Um, Overwatch, the summer games are live, and the new skins are available. And there are some pretty good pretty good uh, doozies. There's, you know, like a Diva Aqua Beachy skin. There's, oh, um... Baseball Ro- Zenyatta. Baseball Zenyatta is really cool. There is a Rotahog lacrosse player, which is interesting. <laughs> There's uh, a football Reinhardt. Reinhardt, yep. With yeah. a, he has a trophy uh, for his weapon, basically, which is mm-hmm. hilarious. And then, oh my god, why can't... Anne. Uh, Anna. Oh, Anna. The Anna, Anna one's cool. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like the grandmother on the beach kind of thing, yeah, which is hilarious. Really Classy dame, that Anna. But yeah... Um, I'm sort of going through a drought of Overwatch right now. I haven't played for a couple yeah, of months. Yeah, I played a little bit because uh, Twitch, basically, Twitch Prime gave you, like, free loot boxes for, mm. I'm going to call him Harmon now, but I can't remember his, the real name. Uh, but Wrecking Ball? Wrecking Ball, thank you. Uh, you. After you went on this big, long thing about how it should be Heyman, Harmon. Hammond. Hammond. God, man. Whew. Welcome to Addicted to Loop, folks. But yeah, so I remember I played a little bit. I think to... I ended up bitching about that to anyone who would listen when I was at LinkedIn <laughs> <laughs> Just like, yes, Harry Potter's interesting, but are we all pissed off about Wrecking Ball, or is that just me? He, he, I'm surprised he didn't put a pedal on about, like, character naming and, like, <laughs> a character sounding. Severus Snape. Yeah. Good alliteration. Wrecking Ball. Mouth, bad alliteration. Mouthfeels. The, uh, Thank you for coming to my TED Talk on Mouthfeels. Mouthfeels. But yeah, uh, I played a little bit when Wrecking Ball came out, just to try him out a little bit, just to open up my loot crates, which is kind of. I less still like, haven't meh. played as him. I just haven't. Uh, jumped in. He's he requires a lot of time to get used to, just because how differently he functions. Mm-hmm. Like you really have to get used to how his grappling hook works, how you move with it, like how do you, like you launch yourself with it, how to like it, it. There's a lot to get used to, but if you can master it, he's a pretty cool class. Cool. Um, I'm far from it, but I want to play more. But, uh, yeah, I played a little bit of it, like, I don't even know, like, less than a month ago. Like, I have it in, mm-hmm. I, I updated it, and, yeah, I played a couple rounds. That's basically all it was. I should mention that Overwatch Summer Games does, um, of course, indicate the return of Lucio Ball, which is, yeah, That's right. Oh, probably won't be uh, jumping back in, but... Lucio Ball is great. Go play it. And it summer games run to the thirtieth, which I'm surprised they're doing the thirtieth, not the thirty first. But it runs till yeah. the thirtieth. So if you want to get in on the summer games, uh, go check it out by the thirtieth. And the next event is probably Halloween. So most likely, yeah. Junk, uh, yeah. I wonder if they're going to go back to well, obviously they'll go back to Junker Town. I'm curious what else they'll do for it. But with that, going into a. A game we talked about before, but there's this new feature on it that is a really cool feature that I love really caught our eye. So Shadow of the Tomb Raider, um, which, you know, in, I'm kind of indifferent with. Tom was a fan of the first one, so we're kind of like mixed bag there in terms of the game itself. But they're doing something with the game that is different from various other games that we both kind of got giddy over just reading. So... In this game, in Shadow of the Tomb Raider, you can control the difficulty of the combat, of the exploration, and of the puzzles all independently of one another. Yes. Which is super cool. So you can have extremely difficult combat with extremely easy puzzles and vice versa. Which is uh, the way I foresee this happening? Because there's like three tiers basically of difficulty. Yep. There's um, easy, the want... easy, normal, and hard. 
I want the easiest combat, medium puzzle hints, and the hardest traversal. That sounds like the ideal game for me. And that's that's kind of what I like about it, is the fact that it's a dial in your game. Like, you still get the experience of the questing and everything else, yeah. but it's how you experience it. So uh, we should we should specify combat. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm assuming it's just enemy. Uh, would be my guess would just skill. be en- enemy difficulty yeah. or just like the damage your rounds do and things like that. Puzzles, uh, depending on what tier you have, sort of highlight items in the environment. So it's like if you're looking for the example they have is this sort of gear chain lever thing. Uh, I think at the hardest, nothing's highlighted. In the middle, it's like this area will be helpful. And at the easiest, it's like, this item you use, you know? Yeah, it's basically kind of um, like, yeah, like what you're saying. It's either you see nothing, you see kind of like the parts you have to use, and then easy's like, you use this part first, you use this part yeah. the other. And uh, What I really like, though, is the traversal levels. This is really clever. Um, I haven't played the second game yet, but what I remember in the first one is it does the video game thing of, you can climb on this cliff because it's painted white, you know, like all right it's you've made it very obvious and that's fine usually that i'm okay with that but what you can do is basically choose whether it's painted white or kind of painted white or in invisible just part of the environment and i love the idea of being able to say all right let's let's take all the hints off where do i need to go how do i climb this like that's a game like breath of the wild or far cry or something like that where you're basically deciding how you're gonna you you see where you need to go and it's not like a path it's just you're gonna make a path it's like rock climbing in real life you know like there's no they haven't made this for you to climb so you're just gonna have to be creative and think on your feet um so that's really cool i like that a lot yeah no i really like this too Uh, i think this is a really cool idea um i think it'd be interesting if other companies kind of explored it depending on what you know what pieces obviously make up their game but i do like the fact i like the fact that it's available and i like the fact of how they implemented it like you were saying like i love the fact that the exploration it's you know how well things are worn or how like almost like high high lit and like low lit things are in order to like basically make make a ledge stand out versus hidden like uh, they did a really cool job of that so mm-hmm. kudos to them for this idea i think it's gonna actually pay dividends for them uh, now, kind of the flip side of things, uh, talking about a game that we haven't heard from from uh, we haven't heard from in a while, and it looks like it might say that way is uh, we got a comment that Dishonored or the Dishonored series is basically on a resting phase for right now. So uh, basically, a developer came out and just said we can't definitely say what might happen down the road. Anything could be possible, but Dishonored is resting for now. That's kind of the the statement that was given. So you know, take from that what you will. Uh, it's kind of everyone's kind of a mixed bag of what that could mean. Frankly speaking, if I had to guess, it might be they had a good run with the two games and the various expansions, and that you know, if the opportunity presented itself, they might come back to it, but. They're probably focusing on different projects would be my take. But who knows? I mean, with the fact of, you know, if there's enough outcry, it could always change, you know, plans. Now, I should specify, I haven't played Dishonored 2 or uh, Death of the Outsider yet. But you, what you just said right there, the two games and the expansions, that's pretty important because Dishonored was a solid game. And then the Knife of Dunwall and Brigmore, which is DLC around that, was like 
a mini game. It was another character tied in with the Dishonored narrative. It was very tightly woven in. You played as Dowd through those. And then Dishonored 2, you're still playing as Corvo or as Emily. And then Death of the Outsider, it's, um, what's her name? Uh, Billy Lurk, I believe. So all of these characters, all of this across the two games and the sort of two mega expansion runs are still telling one story. It's kind of like what Bioshock Infinite did with Burial at Sea. Yeah. Um, it's like, okay, now we're back in Rapture. Elizabeth is tied in with Bioshock 1's story. Basically, the only thing that really wasn't super acknowledged was Bioshock 2. Um, but I can see them saying, you know what? That was it. We told the story. This is the Dishonored story. As much as I love what Dishonored does... Um, and really, really, really love those games. Uh, again, not having played two all the way through yet, but just you know, knowing knowing I'm going to enjoy it from everything that I have played of it. Um, I guess it's okay for them. I can say like, all right, that's it. You did it. Put a bow on it. Cool. That's the Dishonored experience because it's almost not. It's not like Assassin's Creed or something where you could say, yeah. Well, what if we do it here? What if we do it at this period of time? Yeah, you, um, you you have a set storyline in a set universe. It's, yeah, you can only do so much. I mean, really, what could you do besides a prequel? Right, and I mean, you know, when I was playing Prey, and I God, I just keep thinking about Prey. I loved that. <laughs> that is like so far, that's game of the year for me, and it was a game from last year. But it's the one that I just really that's that's top of the list right now. Um, and Prey was pulling from the same DNA as Dishonored, as Bioshock, as System Shock. So. It's not like, it's like, if you liked Dishonored and feel, oh, gee, I wish I could have this in a different kind of setting, maybe you want it in science fiction? Play Prey. You know, it's yeah, like, it doesn't have to live and die by the Dishonored name. It can be a different, and of course it was made by Arcane too, so it was the same developers, so of course it's going to feel like Dishonored. So, yeah, yeah, fine, that's fine. I, it just makes me want to play too, and... uh Death of the Outsider all the more. Yeah, I still actually have to play the first one and then the second one and all everything else. So, so good. Yeah. So good. But we'll see. Now a piece of software that we kind of all know and love, Discord, which, you know, it started out as very much this very beta, almost alpha, we're trying to do what team something that TeamSpeak doesn't kind of thing. Has gone has like has been so incredibly successful to the point now that they are actually going, or at least attempting to you know trial run a game selling feature, very similar to Steam but different, which is just very intriguing. The fact that you know Discord is almost becoming, you know, it's kind of like almost a reverse development of Steam, where Steam was a game developer and now they're very much trying to like clean up their chat and like social stuff because it kind of looks like discord now but mm. and now discord it was like it started that way and now it's kind of going towards like the selling side of things and like you know hosting games and like starting games but the discord selling uh, feature that they're going to be doing it's basically being um, baited out to <laughs> testers out in canada because i guess you know if you Lucky. want if you want testers i mean eh, i mean you're close enough to the border just say you're canadian yeah, so I'm uh but specifically, I think it's Discord Nitro users in Canada. That's, that's probably what it is, yeah. But the interesting thing and the very smart thing that Discord is doing is that 
they're not trying to directly compete with Steam. They're just trying to do their own thing about, you know, how they distribute games. So yeah, they're gonna have like a curated small collection of exactly. Games. So if you think of it as Steam is the Mega Mart or, or Walmart of gaming, where it's just like everything in the universe you could imagine. Discord is trying to be the small mom and pop store on the corner that like we have a small selection of hand picked things that are only gonna be here for like ninety days and you'll get them through us and then once that ninety days is over you can just go to the big store and get them. So Love it. they're doing a really great take on this, um, specifically focusing on basically Discord first exclusives for games if you want to buy them through them and then if not, well then you can just buy them wherever else. Really good take. I think this is going to be, you know, successful for them because we've covered a couple of potential Steam competitors in the past that all have kind of gone quiet. So, who knows? This one could be an, intru- um, you know, very interesting thing. I'd be curious to see how they do it in the sense of, you know, what, like what will be the Discord exclusive? You know, is it going to be similar to, you know, what, you know, if you buy this game on Xbox, you get a hat. If you buy this game on PlayStation, you get, you know, a bow. Or if you buy this yeah. through Gamecom or anything else like their GameStop rather so it'd be interesting to see what they do with it and what they do with it but it's kind of cool I mean Discord is you know it's it's insane about to see just how far Discord, Discord has come so yeah. good for them i uh, be curious to see and interested to see how that goes out and just wish there was a more of an open beta versus just the, those 50 lucky 50,000 Canadians up to Canada uh, we go hey but with that we'll close out our news piece for this week and we'll actually get into our playlists. Now, you know, I start out as always, and I had a very interesting thing that you know, I want to open up with. I actually, you know, I moved into a new place, um, set up my computer again, and one thing I did that I've been meaning to do for a very, very, very long time is I actually reset up my VR and jumped back into VR. So for all those who might not remember, might not never have known, I do have an Oculus Rift. I've had it for a while now. I did a big kind of like VR episode. And I keep on saying that I want to try to get back into it. Well, I finally did. Like I finally you know, reset it up, put it back on. You know, I'm in a spot now where I have more of a working area for my VR system, which is much better. I mean, it's nice, you know, because, you know, the difference is Oculus Rift, you stand still and you just kind of like twist and move versus like the Vive where you physically move. So it works well with what I have now. And you know, to commemorate that, um, I actually got a game that's you know was it caught my eye the very first second I ever saw it. It's a, basically the VR version of almost like Guitar Hero. It's it's Beat Saber, so it's almost like if you were a Jedi drummer. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of the best way of thinking about it. It's a game where you know you have you know, you're left and right. Each one basically is a different colored lightsaber. And as the blocks come flying at you, they have directionals on them. You have to swing your lightsaber through the block, giving the directional while kind of dodging certain things and hitting other things. But it, oh my god, is it? It's so much fun. It That's is, good to hear because this is a game I've seen a lot. Oh of my god, I, like, I want to play that. <laughs> I I want this game to be fully released with an extensive library of thongs. Thongs, songs. My God. I mean, either or. I mean, it would make the game more interesting, but man, this has been a day. But either way, so like, I just wish it had like, I wish it had Rock Band and Guitar Heroes um, sized libraries this second because 
you know, right now it's still technically early access. It has like maybe twelve to fifteen songs, maybe. And but oh my god, is it so well done? It is just so much fun. And like, like after like you know, I played it on normal. I played a couple songs. Like okay, this is kind of fun. Yeah, whatever. It's kind of like dude. But you know, it suffered from like the Guitar Hero Easy mode where you hit one note and hear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you kind of you hit one block and you just hear boom, 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 yeah. Wow, I am like, so good. Because <laughs> uh, it's a game that's purely just you go with the beat. It's not note based or anything else. So you know, it's a lot of very electronic and techno heavy beats. You know, R and B and rap stuff. And when you get to like somewhat of like the more intense songs or the harder difficulties, they have the far far more note intensive or I forget what the heck they call them, uh, like feature intensive things. Oh my god, is it so much fun because, nice. you know, if you're just a person that has a decent sense of rhythm, this is such a fun game because it literally is, you really don't think about the timing, you really just think about direction, which is really cool because as long as you keep up with the beat and keep up with the rhythm, it's so much fun because you just don't have to think about it anymore. It's just, okay, this one's going yeah. left, right, up, down, left, right, up, yeah. down. And it's just, you almost just like your eyes almost like unfocus and you just... Pay attention to the really quick white arrows that are flying at you. and it, yeah. Oh, but it's just so much fun. I mean, I just really hope they just keep on adding more great songs to it because I just want to play more. And that was really the thing that really... That's the only negative thing I have about it right now is just because it's early access. And there's, I, there wasn't more songs for me to try. That was really the only negative I have. Like, it is just a lot of fun. And I was so very happy to get back into VR. And, like, I didn't list them here, but... I tried a few other uh, just free utility things they have. Like there is like a they're they're the same but different. Like one is basically like a sculpting tool where like you basically you can like generate a ball of clay and then you can like sculpt the clay out and things like that. Oh, which is I love that. Which it was cool. I liked it, but it was it was like a step too complex where I'd want it to be for me to actually really enjoy it. Like okay. I, I really just wanted like a you know a ball like a basically a ball of a polygon that i can just have my two paddles and like pinch and grab and things like that but it was kind of like you have to use this button to select this and swing that and select this tool then if you push this button on this on this tool it does this but if you push this other button with the same tool it does that and it's just kind of was like i was i was just like kind of like you know just kind of barreling my way through this trying to learn it and like i was kind of getting a hold of it i could kind of see where you could go with it but I just kind of stopped, and there's another one that's kind of the same but different, which is it's the same thing, but you draw a 3D picture. So, like, you can, like, draw a line, and then you can give that line to have depth, and then you can rotate the image to, like, you could basically, like, make a 3D swirl if you really wanted to. Like, it's a yeah. instead of having a canvas, your canvas is completely three-dimensional, which was that's super cool. That's one thing I've always wanted VR for, but unfortunately I don't have the controllers, so. Well, if you ever come down to Boston or area. Oh, no. so But, yeah, I mean... It was really cool. Like I could see having a lot of fun with them once I've kind of got used to the controls. But they were really cool ways of doing things. Like they, I could see where they're going, that why it works in VR, and just like why it functions the way it does. It, it was kind of cool. Like I really enjoyed getting back into it, and I'm hopefully gonna try to find a new couple games to try out with VR as I go. There's a couple games that I have my eyes on. Um, one of the games I actually did want to try out is I actually wanted to try to get back into Elite Dangerous again and just try it out, mm, just with cool. um, things like that. But another cool thing I found as I was like, uh, I was having a few like 
driver issues or things like that. But I was researching, and there's actually a company out now that has like a less than a hundred dollar system that kind of it's not VR, but it's kind of like a guided headset or visual. It's basically like there's a there's a sensor, uh, there's like a sensor stand in front of you. You wear the special kind of headset. I don't think I don't think it covers your eyes. It purely just it's almost like um, the Wii. It just picks up how your head's moving through the sensor, and then it directs your screen the way your character's looking. So it's kind of like cool. It was it was an interesting take on like very consumer level VR setups, which I thought was kind of cool. I I'm, I'm gonna I apologize. I can't remember the system, but I know if you Google it um, real quick, you can find it. But yeah, VR. Uh, Still saying it's it's fun, it's great. Um, I'm still not sure if it's at the point where I'd go out and sit like recommend it to the the like you know the everyman. Um, yeah, I still think it needs a healthy game library because right now the game library is really just you know rhythm games, artsy games, creative types of games. There's very few games that make VR feel unique. You know, like. Uh, one is like, uh, oh my God, was it the Red Hot or VR Hot? No, Hot Miami. Super Hot. Super Hot. Thank you. Uh, uh, like that game does really well for VR. Um, Elite Dangerous kind of sort of does. There is a game called Serenity. Maybe it's like a it's a puzzle game that takes place in zero gravity in space that they say is just incredible. But almost everything else you look at is very just like, oh, I move over here, I push my arms forward, they do things. I go over here, I push my arms forward, they do things. So uh, I would say still wait on it, but as they become more and more consumer available, definitely check them out. So like I said, I still loved my Vive. I got it on the summer deal. I think it was the entire package with the two kinetic remotes and everything else was $200 flat. Like I said, I'm still super happy with all of it, but, you know, depending on... Basically, what you're willing to pay and what you're willing to, you know, spend on a system, just be aware. Do your research first. Check out the games because it might not be worth the money you have to put out for them. Sure. Uh, another game that I've already mentioned a couple times, just kind of giving an update with BattleTech. Um, you know, giant mech-style turn-based XCOM-like uh, combat, just with customizable mechs. I'm getting further and further into the game, and I. I don't know if it's like a coding in the software or not, but I feel like as I get further into the game, the story missions, it feels like the RNG in the story missions is completely different than the RNG in just like the random little side quests, like side business you do. Like, um, like I'll say I've played, we'll say like uh, two missions equally as difficult. The side mission I can get through, you know, you know, might take some hits, might take some damage, might lose a part here, a part there, or whatever else. And it's not that big of a deal. When I play the story mission, which probably comparable difficulty, really not all that bad, it seems like every single hit potentially is a critical or like it manages to hit the pilot, so you get a damage you get like an injury off your pilot even though he didn't like hit the ground or anything else like that. Or like Oh, I have uh, my full evasion up, and I'm in a forest, which gives me a 25% reduction in, like, hit chance. And, oh, all of your your entire armament of 
ammo you just fired at me seemed to hit my character. How is that possible? Like, it just, it almost feels like they tweak it so that it's, it feels like it's more difficult. Like, it feels like it's almost, like, programmed to be more difficult. And, I like, I'm not a super big fan if that's the case. It just makes it feel really weird. Like, it, it, it makes it more frustrating than it is, like, you know, there's, in a strategy game, there's a certain level of, like, fun challenging. This is just the point now where I'm just like, of course he hits him in the head. Why wouldn't he hit him in the head? Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's, like, it's, 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 not, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, the frustrate, the negative type of frustration you get with XCOM. And it's like, you have a 99% chance to hit. Nope, guess what you missed? It's like, oh. Nothing. Yeah, it's just kind of like, really? But, like, I'm still enjoying it. Like, I'm getting to the point now where I'm getting bigger and better mechs, and they're fun mm-hmm. to still kind of customize. And I love the customization. Like, I love the way the battles feel and, like, the strategy that you can do with your four mechs and things like that. But it's just, like, that's the one thing that's eating at me is just kind of like, oh, why do these story missions specifically feel like they're, tr- like, trying to screw me over, which not a mm-hmm. fan of. And to close out my playlist... Two games that, uh, you know, I got preview keys for, and I should say, you know, both of these are very much their early access, their test builds. Um, basically, both of them have embargoes to the point of, you know, there can't be any reviews or final impressions, but I can just talk about my experience with them. So, you know, mm-hmm. if these are going to, you know, if these sound familiar to you, just remember these aren't completely, you know, the final end impressions of them based on the embargoes that are out there. So... Sure. The very first one is called Hyper Gun. Hyper Gun is it's a fun game. Like it's it's a it's just a bounce in bounce out type of uh, FPS roguelike where it's a fun premise. You are you work for a company that's trying to manufacture weapons to prepare the human race in case aliens invade. But of course. the entire but the entire game takes place as, like, every, you know, you walk through the office and it's like, hey, Jim, how you doing? Okay, how's those mm-hmm. kids? And then you get to the simulation room and basically the premise of the game is that the entire game takes place in a simulation and you pop in and pop out of it based on, you know, how well and how far you get in the simulation. And then as part of that, there's kind of like this customizable, almost like mother gunship-esque kind of thing where you're like... You're, like, on the fly, like, crafting and, like, improving and putting add-ons on the guns and just seeing how they perform. And that's kind of, like, the, you know, overarching point of the game. As you, you know, you pop in and pop out, you unlock, you know, you unlock different characters. Like, you start out as the intern and maybe eventually you can get, like, an HR rep who tries out the game. (laughs) Like, you just get little things that have different, like, passives and different actives and things like that. But That's funny. The style of the simulation is what I love. It's, like, almost, like, retro tron like visuals very bright neon you know it's uh definitely like almost 80s feeling in that sense which i love mm-hmm. like it's not realistic looking at all like i like that a lot uh, and it was just like you you could play one round of it basically is what the uh current build was the the, the current preview build was and it was fun like i was i was sad that it stopped right at the end of the first boss like it was definitely enjoyable. This is a type of game that, like I said, it was fun if you just like pop in, pop out, first-person shooter roguelikes. Uh, I, like I said, I'll withhold my final recommendation on it until I see kind of where it comes out in terms of price point and things like that, and like what they add to the final game. But it looks like it has the building blocks here to kind of be a fun little roguelike if you know, as long as it's you know priced accordingly and things like that. 
Uh, final one I'm going to talk about, which is... Uh, this one is actually in VR, which is the reason why I was looking at it. It was is a game called Varum Kaboom. Yeah, you heard that right. Um, it's available <laughs> on other platforms that aren't VR, but I requested it for VR. It's a... Uh, it's basically, if you took uh, Twisted Metal and mixed it with Tower Defense... It's, okay. It's a game where you you're you know your available units like there's two bases that are like uh basically a highway apart, a straight stretch of road apart. You take you know cars, weapons, tanks, buses, whatever is available in your quote unquote like deck or just what you have. You pick them up. You or in VR you pick them up. You place them down on the road and you control them. So like it's almost. It's in the sense of it's almost like reverse tower defense if, like, there was no maze building and it was purely just you sent in the units into the tower defense and the other person has to decide on whether or not to, like, attack your units, go for power-ups, go for currency, or try to attack your base. Um, I could see where they wanted to go with it. It's just... It just yeah, it it just needs ref- it needs it needs a lot of refinement before I would find it really enjoyable. Like it's kind of an interesting take on it, but overall, I just it's not something that would settle well with me. And I just I don't see how the take on both genres marries well. It's just mm-hmm. uh, I'd be interested to see what they do with the full launch, but. Uh, like after one or two tries with it, I was done. I but it, yeah. I didn't really have any you know urge to go back into it. But th- it has a nice selection of different vehicles. I mean, it, everything from like small motorcycles up to tanks up to like fully armored buses. Like, and you can have mm-hmm. like you can control where anything that has a mounted weapon on it goes or aims and things like that. And like you can put up barricades and like it has some nice features. It's just it's not fully adding up to something that I really you know, find pleasurable. So. But sure. it's Vroom Kaboom, if any of that sounds interesting, and Hypergun. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, uh, that was my play week for this week. Yeah, it- and unfortunately, I only only thing that I've played is a little bit of World of Warcraft last night, and not really much that I can relay from that. We had fun playing as Worgen, um, so that was that was uh, an experience just doing that whole like scenario. Um, but yeah, not really anything conclusive that's podcast worthy to share. Alright. And it's time for our awesome feature, which is the free game of the week. I forgot to, uh, it's, uh, as always, this is a free game that you can go out and play as soon as you hear us talk about it. And what do you have for the folks this week, Tom? This week, we have a game you can go play right now, which is Quake Champions. Uh, we've talked about this before. I had some experiment, experiment, experience trying to play it. Uh, I... It was actually, unfortunately, unsuccessful with it, but I still recommend it because I think this is... I didn't know that this was going to be free. There was some some confusion about how this was exactly going to work. Like, if you download it now, it'll be free, and at this point, it'll be free, but in early access, you have to pay for it. Something, something, something. Anyway, Quake Champions is now free to play for everybody, and it's Quake. Quake is fun. Quake is, is just a fun competitive shooter. It's fast. It's gibby. It's it's uh, it's got the good chunk. So yeah. go and play Quake Champions. It's out now. And hey, and you can find all that and more at our website, which is addictedloot.com, where you can find links to our content partners, which are Green Man Gaming and Humble Bundle. You can get 
access to this podcast on very very much basically any venue or uh, software you want, which are iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and the granddaddy of them all, SoundCloud. On any one of those, you can find our show notes, which include links to all the articles that we talk about here. So if any of them found interesting and you want to do further reading on them, go check out our show notes and you can get that right away. You can get access to our email, which is addictedaloot at gmail.com. If you want to drop us a line, whether it's say, hey, how you doing? You know, how you feel about a game, comments, questions, concerns, anything you want. You get access to our group Twitter, which is at addicted to loot. That is the number two. That is, you know, our primary way of getting out information into the public. So if you want to stay up to date with, you know, whether or not a podcast is happening, when it's coming out, when it's going live, or anything else about addicted to loot, go check out our Twitter. You can get links to our YouTube, Twitch, Steam group, and itch.io collection. And of course, you can keep up with us. Uh, on our individual Twitters, mine is at ATL underscore Atomic Zero, and Tom's is at T-O-M... Tomality. which is T-O-M-A-L-I-T-Y. This has been Addicted to Loot, episode 90, and as Holy always... Holy crap. I know. I'm just reeling at that. That's, I know. I forgot to say it at the beginning, but yeah, episode freaking 90. Holy shit. Uh, keep it... Uh, I don't know. Airborne. We were talking about airplanes earlier. Keep it airborne. Yay, there's the thing. Yeah.